What a wonderful song. God's favor can be upon you and your children and their children and their children. I was just holding Emma up here. I love to hold her when we sing that song and she sings it. That is our prayer every night when we put Emma to bed as Numbers chapter 6. Um, blessing to her, you know, that the Lord bless you and keep you to make his face shine upon you, to be gracious to you. And uh, we love doing that. As I was holding her and singing, I was thinking about my grandfather who trusted in Jesus Christ, and he would pass that to my father who trusted in Jesus Christ and our parents. My father brought us up in the faith, and I have trusted in Jesus Christ, and I'm leading my family to Christ. And I said, Emma, and the gospel has come to you. And she said, but i got to get baptized. <laughs> I said, we're going to wait. <laughs> you know? uh, but we're excited for those things. And I was thinking about our fathers. I shared this in first service. I want to share it with you now. God is the God of the living. Those who have trusted in Christ, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and discussing Abraham. Abraham was alive. They were talking as if he was dead. Jesus said, I am the God, or God is the God of the living, not the dead. That we have fathers and forefathers that are in glory in heaven. And we should be a people that trust in God that there is a heaven, there is an eternity, and we should tell other people about heaven. Amen. As we were, we were in North Carolina over the summer, we were traveling back. We stopped in Black Mountain um, Ridgecrest, a retreat center there. And they have put this huge statue of Billy Graham right there. And I love Billy Graham, though he had passed away in 2018. He was 99 years old, most of his life preaching the gospel. And they had a statue there, not to worship Billy, but to point to the God he believed in, the God he preached about. And Billy said this once, this is great. My home is in heaven. I'm just traveling through. What a great reminder for us that our home is in heaven. Years before he even died, he said, one day... You're going to read in the newspaper that Billy Graham has died. He said, don't believe a word of it. He said, I will be more alive than I've ever been. I'll just be changing addresses. Amen? He taught us that we are to know that there is a heaven, a place to go, that there is a heavenly hope that we will pass from death to life. We just transition addresses from earth to heaven. If you would turn with me, we're going to be in John chapter 12. We're kind of familiar with the scripture at this time, and we've gone through this the last few weeks, and I just have a few verses to share with you this morning, and a lot to say about eternal life. So John, chapter 12, verses 23 through 26, before we get into that, Christmas is a great reminder of heaven and eternal life. We've talked about Jesus being the centerpiece of Christmas, and Jesus, the Jesus of Christmas, has come to give us eternal life. It is the very reason Jesus came into the world. We do not celebrate this guy who showed up and said, I hope they, hope they are excited about my birth and my death. It is so much more than that. Christ has come that we may have life and have life more abundantly. Here, John chapter 12 and these Greeks had come, these Gentiles have come to see Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, meaning that He would die on the cross, be risen, and be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I want you to know that when we die, they'll say we buried the person. But for Christians, we are just planted 
we are going to return to life. We are going to be resurrected. Verse 25, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You have resurrection. You have eternal life that Christ came to give us. Verse 26, and if anyone serves me, which we spent some time talking about, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. In just a few chapters, Jesus is going to mention this again. Wherever Jesus is, the servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we love you. We bless your holy name. Lord, we thank you for sending your Son into the world, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God. And Lord, as we know, Christ is not in the cradle anymore. He would grow up. He would do many miracles. He would go to the cross to die for the sins of the world. He would be buried, that we would be buried with him, the old man. And that when he rose again, he rose in victorious life, and we were resurrected with him, and he ascended. He sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And Lord, he will come again. And I pray that we, as his followers, as your believers, will live this out on earth that we are teaching others about you, that we are fulfilling the great commission to go and baptize and teach people about you and to be obedient to your teachings. We pray today that you give us spiritual eyes to see, to see your kingdom, that you give us spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. And Lord, that you would awaken our souls. For those who have fallen asleep, I pray they awaken out of their slumber. Those who have died, that they come to life today, for you are the God of life. You are the God of love and light. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, over the last few weeks, we dealt with the Greeks who wanted to see Jesus during the Passover. And we talked about them coming, and they just request, we want to see Jesus. And we spent some time talking about that we, as our mission, should work hard to allow people to see Jesus. We should not hinder them. They should see Jesus in our life. They should see Jesus in the church. And we also learned that when Jesus comes out to meet with us, He comes with teachings. We cannot say, I want Jesus, but I don't want His teachings. They come together. He has words. He has holy Scripture. In fact, Jesus would say this, heaven and earth will pass away. This order that we know will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And that means Jesus has elevated the the supremacy of the Scriptures in His teachings. He said, even all of this that you know is going to pass away, but His Word is true and we believe these things. We also learned last week that if you want to follow Jesus, you have to serve Him. It's not just saying, I'm a Christian. In America, I've told you many times, it is too easy to take the name Christian. We say we're Christians. I had a friend who was doing a funeral for a guy who had recently believed in Jesus, but all his friends were living on the street, or, and they were, some of them came to the service drunk that happens, and, and one of the guys wanted to share a testimony, and one of them got up there and said, I know that Billy's in heaven because it says in the Bible Americans will get there. And that, that, that it's a weird teaching that is in our culture. My pastor friend had to take the mic away and said, yes, he's in heaven, but it, it, just, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, just because you're American, you make it there. We are called as God's people to follow Him and to serve. And we learned last week that love does. If I love God and I love my neighbor, I am working, I am serving. But there's one th- final thing I want to talk to you about today. I want you to take hold of this. 
um, that Jesus is willing to give us something. The life of Jesus, he will keep your life for eternal life. Again, verses 25 through 26, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. Church, our God is the God of life. He has come to give you not temporal life, not warm, fuzzy feelings, but eternal life. And the life, that life that we have in Christ has a destination. There is a place that we will go to, we know as heaven. And in our culture, our culture has rejected God's truth. And we still have an obligation to get the truth out. To stand in the truth. To believe God's truth. To teach His truth. To live out the truth. Entire denominations and ministries have been infiltrated by the enemy. And now they are nothing more than parrots of the world's doctrine. There's nothing different than what is being said in the world in some churches today. And some whole denominations are puppets. and Their doctrine is puppets, uh, teachings of Satan. Progressive churches are erasing the doctrine of hell. There's not really a hell. I know Jesus said there's a hell, and the Bible teaches that there's a hell. But churches are erasing hell, and it's just not nice enough for a culture that's living in sin. We've kind of lowered what sin is and elevated whatever hell was. But not only that, they have pulled heaven down to earth, and that you're just nice enough where you will just walk right into heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that. And here's the deal. Now is not the time to give up on what we believe as Christians. I love Christmas. I love celebrating the birth of Christ. Some people are like, that's pagan. No, we took the pagans' gods. Christ defeated them and we took over. Christianity is taking over this. We're providing life to those who believe. We don't give up on our doctrine. Church, we still believe in eternal life. Do you still believe in eternal life today? What happens is when I raise my voice, everybody starts going, what is he going to preach on? But we're talking about eternal life. This is what we believe. We still believe in the promises of God. Mike was preaching that Friday night. There was these promises. He talked about Simeon. Simeon was given direct revelation from God that he would see the consolation of Israel. And he got to see it. He got to see Christ. It was promised. It was revealed. It was fulfilled. We still believe in the mission of the church, that we're to go and make disciples, to reach Casper. That is our vision. And that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us that where He is, we will be also. We get to look forward to that. We don't have to walk around in doubt and discouragement and depression. We know that we have eternal life and there is a place that we will go. And church, our world needs to hear the good news of Jesus. That our holy God saves sinners. Jesus said that. I came to seek and to save the lost. Paul said that. That this is the mission of Christ, to seek and save sinners. And Paul would say, I am the chief. He had rescued Paul. Christ has come into the world to save sinners. This is the whole message of Christmas. That God has given us this great gift of life through Jesus Christ. The long-awaited King and Messiah church has come. God became man and lived among us. The scripture calls that Emmanuel. God with us. God came to be with us that we may go to heaven and be with Him. 
And God will be with us for all eternity. That is the hope that we have in Christ. We believe that everyone was designed with a a God-shaped hole in their soul, if you will. It is why people desire things and it's, they, can't, they can't feel the desire. Only God can feel these desires. Someone who drinks and continues to drink, it, it's, it, they can't satisfy that. Sensuality, the sins of the world. It's like they're self-medicating in a way. God has placed eternity in our heart. Only an eternal God can feel that. I like the way C.S. Lewis put it. He said, if I find in myself these desires which nothing in this world can satisfy... The only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. There's something deep inside of everyone that says something is not right in the world. And that there's these desires that cannot be satisfied. In fact, I would say death is not normal. Sickness and disease, we we become acquainted with these things and we think it's normal. It is not normal. It's why Christ came to overturn that. But here it is, what C.S. Lewis is talking about. That if I find this desire within myself, you know, it means that I am meant for something else. And this is why most Americans in the world would say that they believe in a, a heaven of sorts. They believe in an afterlife. Um, there's a statistic, a survey done recently, I want to share it with you this morning, according to Pew Research Center's 2021 Afterlife Survey. And they surveyed over 6,000 people, including over 1,000 evangelical Christians. And this was some of the answers given. 73% of Americans believe in heaven. 73%? That is huge. I think that is really good. 62% believe in hell still, which is very similar to the 2014 survey taken where 72% of Americans say they believe in heaven. However, defined as a place where people who have led good lives are eternally rewarded. Now, this survey is actually very detailed. It breaks down people's understanding of heaven, how you get there, who can go, who can't. And only 6 in 10 U.S. adults in this survey that they discovered, 58%, say they believe in God as described in the Bible. That's why it lowers from 72%. Now something changes because doctrine changes about what heaven is and how you get there. And here's the thing. We need to stay connected to a church So we are discipled and develop a Christian, biblical worldview. It is vitally important because the world teaches something else. Uh, We are to be biblical Christians. And we can all be right on the fact of heaven. I can have a conversation. Yeah, man, I believe in heaven. Well, how do you get there? As long as you're good enough. Well, that's not what the Scriptures teach. What do you mean about what is good enough? Well, you know, you do some good. Who measures that? What is that based on? And what if you've done good your whole life and then you start doing bad? How do we rectify those things? So the world, they may believe in heaven, but we need to understand what is the reality? What is heaven? How do we get there? Who gets to go? Um, We have never taught if you're just good enough, you get rewarded in heaven. That's not the biblical worldview. So we can be right in all the fact or all the ideas about heaven, but be completely wrong on how to get there. So there's a few things I want to share with you today about heaven. And here it is, Jesus has provided a way to heaven. So out of the 72% of the people who believe, even though there's less that actually believe a biblical worldview, Jesus is the way to get to heaven. It never says, if you do good enough, you make it. John 14, Jesus, it says here, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. It's funny, they spent three years, three and a half years with Jesus, and they still don't know, where are you going, Jesus? 
He said, I'm going to be with my father. Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Now, you've heard people say that all roads lead to heaven. Raise your hand if you've heard anything similar to that. That is the doctrine of our culture. So we believe in heaven, but their doctrine is that all roads lead to heaven. And truly, that's their way of defending the road that they're on. If I'm living in sin, I want to make sure all roads lead there because my road should lead to heaven, or at least I want it to. But not every road will lead to heaven. We all begin somewhere. We all begin on the road, and God can bring you from your road to His. Now, some people have begun on a path of Buddhism. And a lot of people will say, well, all religions are the same. Have you heard that too? All religions are basically the same. You're going to find out that all religions are basically very different. They agree on little, and there's a lot of differences. Buddhism does not believe in heaven. They believe in nirvana. You could say, well, Islam, they believe in heaven. But they believe in a paradise, and their version of it is not the same. Of what They're like, yeah, we want to get to heaven to get a bunch of virgins. Jesus said there's, no, there's none of that. There's not like that in heaven. That's not why. Yeah, I just can't wait to get to heaven because of that. No, eternal life, all the good things. Heaven is not about sex. But you may have begun on a path of Buddhism, Islam, I had a teacher years ago who uh, had a guest speaker come in who was Buddhist. And he came in, he was telling the story how he grew up Christian and wanted to be more like a disciple. And he watched Buddhists, how they wore robes, so he wanted to become more like them. But he said, I still believe in Jesus just in case. <laughs> and I'm trying to teach people, you, don't, you need to have more than just the just in case kind of a faith. Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism, Shintoism, Mormonism, Paganism, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Atheism. But you, ha- you may begin on that path, but you have to sever from that path to follow Jesus Christ. Your personal self-centered road will, lead, will not lead you to heaven. Your personal road, look, I want you to look at your life. The reason we have testimonies of what God has done in our past, the way He has saved us, is because you look back at the path. Were you going the right way? If I had stayed on my path, I would have gone the wrong way. King Solomon says this in Proverbs 14, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way I begin, and I think it's right, but if I continue on my path, it leads to death. Even Jesus said, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Broad is the road of world religions that everybody just makes it just because they believe in something, as long as they're sincere in what they believe. By the way, do you want somebody who believes in killing people, do you want them to be sincere in their beliefs? We just kind of throw that out there. We have a religion that, you know, you martyr, martyrdom. If you murder um, heathens, that you make it to heaven. I do not want people to be sincere in that belief. But broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And few find it. That says everything. Jesus actually says that. He has come to save the world, but few will find the way that leads to life. Now, Jesus has made things fairly simple. You can have conversations with people from various religions, and they'll tell you their plan, that you have to keep the five pillars, or you have to do this, or pray a certain amount of times a day, and all these things. I like the way of Christ. Trust in Jesus and follow Him. Hasn't He made it pretty simple? Good news is that He has come to save us. Trust in what He has done and follow Him. Following Him is not easy, but believing in Jesus Christ and that you are born again, He has made it easy for us. Believing and you are saved and you have eternal life. And guess what? That path leads to heaven. 
And I want you to know today that you can know it. That's the thing I want you to know. I think we are kind of hazy in our belief systems today. The Apostle John, whom, the Apostle whom Jesus loved, who spent time with Jesus, said this in 1 John 5.13. I write these things to you who believe. And this is what's funny. Who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So John is writing to a group of believers already, and he says, I'm writing to you who believe that you may know. There's an assurance that you can have that you have trusted it in Jesus Christ. Now, why would he write this here? Because what we're dealing with when John writes this, this letter, it's around A.D. 90. So many years after Christ, churches have been formed. A generation of Christians existed. They had kids, second-generation Christians. Second-generation Christians had third-generation Christians. And what happens when third-generation Christians come along? They begin to drift. And John is reminding them, I'm writing to you. You say you believe, but you actually can know it. You can know you're saved. You don't have to doubt it. And obviously, you wake up from day to day and you feel like, I might not be. Am I a Christian? Is this God thing real? You have these doubts. Satan is masterful about making people doubt their faith. But John is writing this so you know it. I'm writing to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You should know that if you have trusted in Jesus Christ. There's many who say, I began to believe in a VBS, a Sunday school class years ago. Someone led me to Christ. I came and I prayed and I believe and I trusted. And that moment is secure. And some people have thought, you know, was I really saved? And Satan gets people to start doubting. And then you get people that are baptized again and again. And every time they mess up, they feel like they got to get baptized again. But you can truly know, if I have trusted in Christ by faith, I have eternal life. The Bible also teaches us you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies to let you know. There's conviction inside of you. There's a difference in you. There is something speak. There is a person speaking to you to let you know. There's also evidence in your faith. Is your life changed? If you used to live in sin, and you trusted in Jesus Christ, and you're still living actively in the same sin, there's a, you might not be saved. You're supposed to repent from those sins. There should be evidence of a life that has turned from sin and following Jesus Christ. In fact, here's evidence alone. Do you really love God? Are you in love with the God who loves you? I would go even deeper and say, do you love your neighbor? Do you love people? I, I grew up, I did not like people. And God made me a, a pastor and a teacher, and now it's like, God, i got to like people? What in the world are you supposed to do all the loving? No, you have to go and show love. Love does. So I start demonstrating that and I start helping. And I love people. I want to help people. There should be evidence of our love, right? We serve God. We serve in the church. We serve in the community. You're trying to help people. You get into uh, situations that are uncomfortable. In fact, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you can know it because your priorities have shifted. Worship is a priority. Giving to the mission of God is a priority. Living for Christ is a priority. Again, loving God, loving your neighbor, doing something to help someone as evidence of God's love to them. There's a transition of priorities. If you're concerned about these issues, you're in better company than those who aren't. Like, I think there's con, you know, conviction. Like, when people are questioning, am I really saved? I think that's a good place to be when Paul said, examine yourself to see that you're in the faith. But there should be something that you are walking toward Christ and there's conviction. The church Satan is masterful at making people doubt their relationship with God. 
and their new life in Christ. We are to be fully identified with who God is. I am his child. I follow him. That this should be examples of God in my life. Now here it is. Jesus says this, and I love this. John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, basically Jesus is saying, pay attention to this. All the other stuff I said is really good, but this is going to get even better. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. That is pretty easy. If you believe in God, you have eternal life. And that person does not come into the judgment. You've passed from judgment to life. You've passed from death to life. The Bible actually says you were darkness and now you are light. You were dead in sins and trespasses. And now you are alive in Christ. You were hateful and evil. Now you have the love of God in your heart. You can know it. You are or you do have eternal life. Third thing I want you to know about eternity and heaven and Jesus. Heaven is a place. And there's a person who's a part of this, but it is a place. In John 14, Jesus says this, In my Father's house are many rooms. I love that. In heaven, there are many rooms for family members to come to heaven, for a place to live, because heaven is a place. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus has given us perfect logic. Why would I even tell you if it wasn't true? Why would I even say this? I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's many rooms in my Father's house. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. He's going away. He's coming again to receive us to himself. Where I am, you may be also, which he said in John 12. Where I am, you will be also. Where Christ is, we will be by trusting in him. We will be in heaven. Jesus has prepared a, a place for us. He's prepared this place. And I want you to know, it is not a state of mind. It's not just a philosophical thing that we say we believe, but we really don't believe. It is an actual place that we go to to be with God. Jesus has gone. He will come again to receive us to himself. In fact, as believers, we have dual citizenship. We have citizenship in heaven, though we're doing life here on earth for a temporary time. Paul says this in his letter to the Philippian church. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, heaven, where we have citizenship, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming again from the place where our citizenship is. Heaven is where Jesus is. We do not need to speculate on what heaven will be like. It is enough to know that Jesus will be there and we will be with Him forever. We can put together all kinds of pieces of Scripture and describe. I can only barely describe what is indescribable. But this is the main thing. Even though it is a place, it is about a person. And I want to be where Jesus is. There's people in our culture today that want a heaven without Jesus. But Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That is who brings us up to be with Him, and we want to be in His presence. The fourth thing I want you to see, church, heaven is going to be awesome. That is the only word I can describe it with, because it's indescribable. Listen to what um, John says here in his revelation of Christ, verse 20, um, chapter 21, verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I don't know about you, but some of this stuff down here gets old, doesn't it? 
I love Christmas. I think heaven is going to be like Christmas. It's going to be exciting. But if you've ever done a family reunion, which family reunions are awesome, heaven is going to be like a family reunion. There's always somebody that wants to bring that casserole they've been making for decades. I love it. I'll have some of it. But guess what? In heaven, all things are going to be new. There's going to be new foods. At the table, the banquet table, we're going to come together and there's some food. They're serving some food. And they're like, you're going to be like, what is it? I don't know. It's new. All things are new in heaven. You're going to try it. It's going to be awesome. And something else is going to come out. It's going to be new. All things are going to be new. Everything's going to be awesome. And we should look forward to it. I want to be there. I look forward to being with my family who have gone before me. I think heaven's going to be like weddings. It'll be an excitement, a joyous time together, like the birth of a child when you bring forth a child. You're excited about this new life. Heaven is going to be like that because we will rejoice when your kids do well. They make a goal. They get on base. They hit a ball. There's rejoicing. That's what heaven is going to be. It's like a foretaste of heaven. In heaven, there's rejoicing. Over one sinner who repents, they're rejoicing all the time. Somebody turns to Jesus, yes, awesome, we're excited. Sometimes in church, like, somebody got saved, oh, we got to have a new person coming into the church. <laughs> Some of y'all missed that. We're excited about those things. We should demonstrate heaven on earth as Christ has told us to pray God's will for that. C.S. Lewis said this about heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Music. You know what, they, they're going to sing a new song in heaven. You remember you used to introduce new songs in church, and you're like, what is going on? We're supposed to play the same hymn, the same four stanzas every Sunday. We went to visit a church, and I love this church. that had a big influence on my life. We went to visit after 10 years, 10 years later, 2017, we went. And we loved the church. And they got up to do this greeting time. You know, the most awkward time in church for a lot of people that are new. So they're going around shaking hands, and they sang the song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. They had been singing that since we were there before. I was like, let's get a new song. Let's sing some new. In heaven, there's going to be new songs. And here's the deal. Skeptics believe heaven is going to be boring. Now, why do they believe that? Why does an unbeliever say, I don't want to go to heaven. It's going to be boring. How can it be good all the time? What they mean is that doing drugs is exciting now. Living in sin is their definition and their context. Crime or doing things on the edge away from good is exciting. And here's the problem. They've dulled their senses with sin and they've numbed their understanding with the world's ways. I actually had a friend who struggled with drugs for years and I'm thankful to have had relationships with some of these guys, even though uh, this particular person has gone and passed. But he used to look at me. This kid was uh, addicted to drugs and dependent and struggled through this. And he looked at me one time and said, Derek, I like you. He said, you get high on life. And what he means, um, this friend of mine, what he meant is that he had begun to do drugs, and that's how he measured excitement in the good. He has distorted the natural things that are good. I mean, you can go up, you can hike a mountain, and it's natural. It feels good. The things we do as family feel good. I don't need those things to be excited. But we've distorted our understanding of heaven, and we try to use these things here on earth to say, well, it's not going to be good. It's going to be boring. Why would you want to go there where good is? <laughs> it's weird that our minds are so distorted. Why would you want to go to a place where there's everlasting life? I want to stay here where death is. Uh, why would I want to go to a place where there's righteousness and good? Why would you want to stay here where there's sin and evil? 
But our minds are so distorted, it's hard for us to understand. We know with just watching our kids and how they experience life and opening gifts, it's new and special. By the way, we've lost some of the imaginative and the excitement of things that are good in our culture that God has given us. Emma opened up her some pajamas. We have a tradition with Christmas. On Christmas Eve, the kids open boxes and they get PJs. And Emma has been naughty over the last week. Not very nice. I mean, just we've been singing a song. I've been reiterating this song about Santa Claus. He's checking his list, <laughs> checking it twice, going to find out Emma's naughty or nice. She's like, no, Dad. All of a sudden, she gets a gift on Christmas Eve, and she opens this up, and she gets PJs. And she's just like, thank you, Mom. You know, it's just emotional kind of a thing. But I'm just looking at Emma, and she was so excited about just getting some PJs. And we're so, we're, our mind is so distorted that we don't appreciate the small good things in the world. It's hard for us to grasp the depths of the goodness of God because we have corrupted His truth with the doctrines of the world. And I want you to know, we have accepted the substitutes the world offers. I'm thankful we have good health care in our culture. But Jesus Christ didn't come just to make everybody well on earth. He came to give us eternal life. Eventually, I'm going to close my eyes in death, and my eyes will open, my new eyes, to see Jesus. That is what we are looking for. The world denies God, and I want you to know this. The world denies God, and obviously they would deny the goodness of heaven. If you deny God, why would you even appreciate the goodness of heaven? In closing, church, finally, I want you to know that heaven is going to be everything we lost in the fall. Heaven is going to have all the good things. It's going to have life. It's going to have complete relationship with God. Heaven will be everything. Uh, it will be paradise regained and restored. The Apostle John writing in his letter, the revelation of Jesus Christ. I just have a little bit of the verses here. It's actually, if you want to go back and read one through four. John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old order is gone. And he goes into that God will be with us. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God, Emmanuel. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, why will he do that? Death. There'll be no more death. Everybody in here has cried. Everybody in here has mourned. What does heaven offer? No more death. No more mourning. Neither there shall be no more mourning, no crying, no more pain, because we will have a resurrected new body in Christ. For the former things have passed away. What else? A little bit more. I don't have it here. Revelation 21, 21. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone um, that does what is detestable or false. No lies in heaven, all truth. Nothing detestable, nothing that destroys your family, nothing that destroys your life will be in heaven, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Which reminds us, how do I get there? I come the way of Jesus, I trust in Him that He's died for me on the cross, and I have His life. He comes into my life. And I want you to know this, church, as we're closing. You were made for this. You've learned that God has knitted you together in your mother's womb. He's stitched you together. You are made for eternity. You are made for heaven. C.S. Lewis put it this way. Your place in heaven will seem to be made for you and you alone because you were made for it. Made for it stitch by stitch as a glove is made for a hand. 
You will walk, when you've passed from death to life, you'll walk right into heaven. You'll fit right in, and everything will make sense. Amen? Now, this is it. We believe in heaven. We need to teach heaven. The last thing, the Bible tells us to lay up our riches in heaven. How do we do that? By leading other people to Christ that they may be in heaven. We want to fill it up. It is our mission, our vision to reach Casper for Christ. We want to tell them about Jesus, this Jesus that gives eternal life. This world is dark and evil and sinful, and there's discouragement and depression and all these dark things. We have the mission to bring light into the world. We have the mission to love people, to look beyond people's problems and, and see them and their need. And as we talked about last week, we're chipping away at the wall. The world puts up walls. We're chipping away that they may see the real love of God and trust in Him and bring them in to God's eternity and heaven. Church, let's close in prayer. God, You are wonderful. You are mighty. You are the God of the living and not of the dead. And Lord, we thank You for sending Christ into the world to tell us the good news. Oh, how sweet it is. The glad tidings have come to us. Lord, I thank you for saving my grandfather, my father, me, and that you would save my children and their children and their children. And Lord, it starts with us today that we believe the good news, that we embrace your doctrine and your truth, that we share it with other people. And I pray as we go forward today that as we want to reach Casper for Christ, that we are sharing, that we're living out this joyous life, that people notice something different because our priorities have changed. We're heavenly minded. Though we have a mission here in the world, we love you, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, as we close, if you would stand. I'm going to pronounce a blessing. If you want to receive the blessing as the benediction, you put your hands out like this as we pronounce this. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. To lift His face to you and give you peace. Go in grace and peace. You are dismissed. God bless you. God bless you.